Hi, Lisa. Hi, Diana. Hi, Louisa. Hi, Natalie. <laughs> Welcome to Should We? A podcast with potential. Uh, there are four of us in a room that has real sound insulation. It's very beautiful. Uh, Lisa, thank you for inviting us into this lovely space. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and so our Kickstarter project has two days to go. And we wanted to paint a picture of what season two might look like with some of the people who are going to help us make it. Mm-hmm. Only a very uh, sketchy, subtle picture because we don't know everything about what season two will look like, but we have ideas. And hopes and also dreams. Yes. So Lisa, what does season two look like? Okay, well, so part of the reason we have Lisa and Natalie here and would like to bring them into this work is to uh, get some help, like making meaning of our mess of ideas. So we had this conversation, the four of us in the park a few weeks back, and it sparked a lot of more ideas for us. And I think it made me a lot more comfortable with the idea of talking about work, talking about like our careers and our paths. Um, first of all, because the two of you seemed interested, which felt surprising. Um, and then also because I, I would love to have an editor, you know, to help us be able to tell the truth about how we, we feel about our paths and our career choices and tell stories, uh, but make sure that those are edited in the right way and thoughtful and really considerate of anyone else who might be involved. So uh, we just wrote a list of um, episode ideas. Maybe I'll just read them. Yeah. And they're, they're very just sketchy notes, but we here, here's kind of what it sounds like. Okay. One is, should we keep our day jobs? <laughs> uh, one is, just funny because you're about to start a new day job so. <laughs> some of the answers have already been discussed. can you talk yeah can you talk about what inspired them like what inspired the episode yeah. ideas well you know this one is inspired by an article that I edited uh, by a wonderful writer named Kate Kiefer and she wrote about, uh, the title of the article is called Putting Work in Its Place. And she kind of wrote about this trend of quit your day job or um, follow your bliss. Um, these slogans that end up on a lot of design websites, they're very common in design and tech. Um, and, uh, she's very skeptical about them <laughs> and she has a really nuanced perspective and, and I was so glad she wrote it because I had felt the same way for a long time. Like I've had a day job for a while and, and I'm glad I do, you know, but those things kind of make me a little jealous, I guess. Like mm -hmm. when people quit their day job or those, um, that that propaganda following for, passion 
They're always so pretty is the thing. These posters, uh, they really um, are radically simple and minimal in a way that would be a nice way to live, it seems like. But uh, that's not really how life goes. I just read, I've only read half of it, but this book, um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, who's a woman who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, which I haven't read. But one of the things she talks about that I like a lot is... um, follow your passion, follow your bliss is crap. That is not helpful advice because first of all, like I think a very small percentage of us actually know what that is at at any given time or we know what it is like right now maybe, but is that what it's going to be forever? Um, So she encourages people to follow their curiosity, which is like a much more, I I think a much more tangible way to think about that and like exciting and less intimidating. Um, and doesn't necessarily mean that you have to like turn your life upside down right to do something new I also read that book and I loved it so much nice yeah um well okay each one is just gonna be a teaser so (laughs) should I go on to the next yeah go to the next one okay next one should we be the boss (laughs) because we have been bosses and uh uh it's a very it's a very complicated thing um becoming a boss for the first time the word boss has a lot of uh connotations negative connotations especially for women so it's also a really ugly word like yeah. <laughs> you're like going to boss like it's a very yeah. it's not flattering for yeah. at all yeah were you, were you going to talk about, or were you thinking about, like, the Sheryl Sandberg band bossy mm-hmm. campaign and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little bit. That's, what is that's, that? I don't... So, you know, Lean In, Sheryl Sandberg's uh-huh. book, and so then, I haven't, I haven't actually read that. Um, have you guys read yeah. it? Yeah. So, does she talk about it in the book? I've just heard about, I don't know, I can't, I can't remember if it's in the book or just a campaign outside of the book, but to ban the word boss. I think it's in the book and then outside of the book okay. as well. All full frontal, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all fronts campaign. Nice. Yeah. Well, that, um, well, that you guys can speak to it better than I can probably, but this campaign to, to stop using, I don't know if it is to stop using the word bossy or just mm-hmm. stop, um, Stop using it for girls specifically. Stop discouraging girls from leadership, mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. by, like, turning it into something with a negative connotation. And... Yeah, and uh, I think there might be some part of the campaign where powerful women say, I'm not bossy, I'm the boss. Or at least I feel like maybe I've heard Beyonce say that. Or <laughs> I just... I just think of her saying that. Like, what would she say if you were like, Beyonce, you're so bossy. She would be like, well, I am the boss of everyone. <laughs> you guys, yeah. that's what I, my every second thought is. What would Beyonce say? <laughs> same, same, same. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's really interesting because I've been a manager, but most of my career, I've been in more of a product manager role where the whole thing is influence without authority, slash responsibility without authority. And that's very explicit. Wait, what does that mean? Like, that... <laughs> influence without authority means you can't tell anybody to do anything, but they're supposed to do it uh, anyway. Like, then you <laughs> have the responsibility, but you can't, like, hold other... Like, you they, can't they tell don't... people to do it. 
<laughs> I might be mangling the phrase, but uh, that's sort of the way I experience it, where it's like, it all has to be very, I mean, in reality, in my current job, it doesn't have to be that indirect, but it's like, you have to earn, you have to earn the respect and you have to earn, nobody reports to you. So you have to, um, if you're telling people that a thing would be good to do, uh, they don't have to do it unless they agree with you. So it's this idea of like convincing people and persuasion where it is your job to to have good ideas and, you know, set the right path. And it's assumed until proven otherwise that you are doing that. But it's sort of like you do have to continuously prove yourself um, in a way that it seems like formal authority might short be a shortcut to, but formal authority has some of the same characteristics. It's just that it's pretended that they, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, well, I guess as producers, maybe you experience that a little bit too, where you need to get people to do things in a way you envision or in a way you know will turn out really well, but you don't necessarily have all of the authority to make them do it. <laughs> Is that or true? control. Maybe, I mean, maybe you even have the authority, but you can't be there in person or something, or you don't have the control of the situation. I feel like I've felt that way a little bit. Like in terms of like directing people or making sure that you get the tape that you need. Exactly. Yeah. If yeah. it's like, if you're, if you're getting someone to record stuff for you or get tape, you're just like, oh, please, like, you know, you can tell them like, please cry. do this, do this. <laughs> <laughs> Not the subject, but the person recording. Oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, could you, could you manipulate them in this way? <laughs> no, just like all those sort of little like things that I can be nitpicky about, you know, but you can't, you have to let go of and put trust in someone else or whatever, or you, you can, yeah, you can make requests, but yeah. There's also a really difficult transition from mm-hmm. detail-oriented to micromanaging. Like, detail-oriented is a very positive thing to say about people, I believe. <laughs> I think it's very positive to be detail-oriented, but micromanaging is universally considered to be a negative. And so, yeah, some of this is about people's motivation and how to, you know, how to work with people's motivation in a bunch of different role combinations, whether producer or manager or product manager. Mm-hmm. I would I would also say that there are some things that one could do where you could do the exact same thing but depending on your role it's the right thing to do or not depending on what kind of authority you have or which position on a project if you're if you're the boss and you do that thing you're micromanaging if you're the editor you're doing your job something like that you mean if like like a boss decides to take on a role that is not theirs and they mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay yeah yeah anyways okay so that's one should we be the boss um maybe this is a good point to do a little interviewed in- interlude <laughs> interview interlude <laughs> um just to um say a little more about who each of you are. I'm so happy to introduce you to our listeners. Um, You've been very influential behind the scenes already, so this is yes. the moment we pull the curtain back. Yes. Um, so maybe, let's see, Diana, you're so good at um, those 
those games where you have to say something about yourself <laughs> in a group. Uh huh. What do you call those? Icebreakers. Icebreakers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do a little icebreaker. Sure, sure. Um, so how about uh, if each of you tells us. Uh, what you do right now, and also how you first fell in love with storytelling. Oh, that's hard. Um, well, the first one is pretty easy. I'm I'm a producer and editor at Detour. I make these audio walks um, all over the world now, um, and I also work on lots of like some side projects, and podcasting and radio. Um, and I was a freelancer before before coming to Detour. Um, and let's see. So when I, f- the second question, how I first fell in love, that's, I think it, like when people ask me that, I always think about when I was like five, I got this like Sony disc, like cassette player. Um, and it was like blue and shiny. Um, and, and my grandma gave it to me and, and I, and she also gave me, tapes of Bibi Blocksberg who is this like German little like a witch who like does all this like really like goes on adventures and I spent like I spent literally like all day on my grandma's porch pretending to be Bibi Blocksberg and like listening to these like <laughs> to the stories about her and with like this amazing Sony I will never forget that cassette player but like it just I there was something about like my my grandma had a TV and stuff and like but I was not I like all I cared about was that like a little Sony Walkman um and I yeah like, I think that's like when I fell in love with it and then I I just kept listening to a lot of cassettes um and then yeah I and then it that eventually turned into like listening to this American life and radio and stuff and but yeah I think I think it started pretty early for me it's amazing that it was such a deep part of your own imaginative world that it was audio instead of video or even it sounds like more so than storybooks that transported you yeah totally I I don't I don't know what what it was about audio I think I loved hearing different people's voices tell me the story like I love also being read to like mm. I made my mom read to me all the time like I, I love that um <laughs> my partner Eric and I have a practice where uh if one of us is reading something interesting we like podcast it to me the other person will say and that means read it out loud <laughs> <laughs> thank you that's such thank a beautiful you. story Natalie um by the way, it's always fair game and should be to challenge the premise. So if falling in love and or storytelling don't feel like the right terms, you can uh, you can mix it up. No, I'll stick with that. Um, I am a freelance um, reporter, producer, writer, editor. Do some audio and some print stuff, some writing. Um, I... Uh, I grew up without a TV and listened to a lot of audio also, a lot of stories. Mm-hmm. I like I think just in my in my general life, my parents always listened to a lot of radio. Um, but I especially remember like when I was homesick, I would listen to um, audio stories on the record player, I think mostly <laughs> at that time. Um, yeah, and I think it was just always something that, um, spoke to me and you know lets you imagine 
um, and, and participate sort of, but also like, it, but it's also kind of passive or it's also you're being entertained and, and you're being pulled along. And then I never really, um, it kind of took a while before I thought like, oh, that's something I could do. I, you know, I, like Louisa, then that turned into listening to more adult things and always listening to a lot of radio. But, um, there was just a point where I was sort of unhappy in, in what I was doing, um, and needed a change and was looking around for stuff. And it was like, wait, I could, maybe I can make this stuff that I love. Um, I'd always written a lot. So that was like actually a sort of natural transition. That's amazing. Beautiful. Thank you, too. <laughs> Thank you for that interview yeah. interlude. Um, so, Lisa, I want to go back to something you said earlier about uh, basically being very honest and trusting that there's this editing net to catch us. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, very specifically, in our part conversation, we talked a lot about voice notes and sort of audio diaries and this concept of documentary style doing more with our day-to-day -day lives um, a lot of times Lisa and I are there at the end of the week um, on a weekend at the end of the week uh, telling each other the story and it's already kind of transformed into a humorous escapade you know but in the moment it doesn't always feel that way and uh, so you know you're Lisa's about to start a new job we've discussed like Lisa keeping an audio diary of that experience I also have over 100 hours of audio from my two years in business school where I was sending audio notes to Eric every day. And I went back yesterday and listened to one of them. And I have to say it was really hard to listen to because much as that imaginative world uh, is gripping when it's someone else's voices, hearing your own voice from four or five years ago, mm -hmm. uh, experiencing a tough day of feedback or, you know learning a topic that was totally unfamiliar, like finance or accounting, uh, is really painful because I'm back there. It's so vivid for me. Um, and so doing some of that in real time, like capturing what is vivid and trusting that there's an editing net to catch that so that more so that we can be honest in the moment and probably share most of it still, but not self-censor at the front end because we know there will be other people, uh, careful eyes who, um, I mean, careful ears who are paying attention and right. yeah. And, and also to make meaning of it. Mm -hmm. So it's so important to me not to sh just to be like confessional for no reason, but to share something that will really have value for other people. Yeah, completely. And when I was listening to this, you know, one out of a hundred, one out of hundreds of uh, recordings yesterday, the theme of it was feedback, basically. It was after a day of lots of feedback in class and imagining that connecting to the theme of should we take feedback and, you know, talking to maybe other people we admire about their relationship to feedback and how that's shifted over time. And also reflecting for myself on how, you know, I have a much different connection to feedback now than I did many years ago, my skin has gotten thicker imperceptibly, but I can tell the difference because I know I don't react like that anymore. And I know that I experience much more intense things. So there's been some sort of growth along the way, but there was this moment in time when that wasn't a foregone conclusion. And we have a record of that and we can create those records for present us um, in a way that will allow us to both tell that story in real time and maybe reconstruct the history of it in the far future. Mm -hmm. That also reminds me that we would love to um, bring other people into our conversations to be able to 
interview people we admire about these topics too um and i'm sure it would be helpful to them if they knew there were an editor so who are some of those people <laughs> <laughs> okay i'll tell i'll tell you um maybe i'll tell you a couple of our reaches <laughs> I was thinking... Um, it's a dream big. A dream big. Yeah, yeah. I was really thinking the two Cheryls, Cheryl Sandberg and Cheryl Strayed. Those would be my dream podcasts. Okay, I found oh, <laughs> no. Uh, Siri's getting, getting in the mix. Siri's listening. <laughs> um, yeah, so the two Cheryls. They would be amazing. Yeah. Wow. Also, maybe together, maybe apart. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe a little of both. <laughs> also, Beyonce, obviously. Um, who else? Who are your dreams? Well, we have a lot of peers who we will talk with day to day about life stuff, you know, but actually when we get into talking about the substance of their work... Um, I learned that there are these super experts that I didn't even know. So I would love to talk with people about their expertise, but also mix that in with uh, the kind of lighthearted self-awareness that we try to set as the tone of all of our conversations and just being real together. So, I mean, there are tons of people I admire, but uh, like Rachel Myers, a developer I really admire. We have some crossover episodes that I would love to do with other cool podcasts, specifically um there's this podcast called The Broad Experience with Ashley Milne Tight, and like no guarantees, I haven't talked with Ashley yet, but um, I think her whole podcast is about women's success in the workplace, and she she takes a very journalistic approach to it, but also weaves in some of her own experiences sometimes. And I would love to go all the way in that direction with her as a guest on our podcast if she'll uh, if she'll do it, and then maybe talk with her as well on hers about uh, like should we go to grad school? A decision we both mm-hmm. made and have some opinions about. Oh yeah. Yeah, especially now that we do jobs that are barely related to our grad school or undergrad educations. Yes, although I really do like to try and make a strong argument, especially in interviews, that divinity school is totally relevant to my work in technology. I feel that is true. I really want to hear that argument. (laughs) I'm going to save it for season two, which is why... If you're listening, um, you should think about helping us make season two by supporting our Kickstarter campaign. You can find the Kickstarter link in the show notes, and you can also find it by searching for Should We Actually Try on Kickstarter. That's the, that's the premise of the campaign, is should we really try for season two. And yeah, it ends on Tuesday at 8 p.m. Pacific time, so uh, it has been the the joy of my life to see pledges roll in and to see people's support come out of all corners for this project that uh, I care so much about and we've found so much uh, found so much truth in. So hope you consider it. And, and thank you. Yes. Thank you for inviting us. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining us and thank you to everyone who has pledged already. It means so much to us.